This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, When All Has Been Heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Good morning, GYC. How's everybody doing? Man, that was weak. You're all tired, that's why, isn't it? Like, man, it's New Year's Day, and I just stayed up too late and got up too early. Well, I'm going to share with you from the Word of God this morning, and I will pray, but I want to share with you something before I start. You know, um, a number of years ago, after giving my life to the Lord, you know, when I was younger, I believed in God, but I never thought about Him. I wouldn't seek Him, and, and when I believed Him, I, I really was not a Christian, although I, if you would have asked, I would have said I was. And, you know, if, if I was on the street and people were chasing me, I never thought, oh, Lord, help me. If I, you know, you know I remember, you know, getting in a fight and getting the tar just beat out of me. And, and I, I never thought about God. I just didn't look to God. And so I took that right into my experience when I came into the church. So I... If something happened, I, I, I would think of myself, you know, and, and wouldn't actually initially look to God. And it took years of God to, to work in me to change that. And what ended up happening was just, just one experience, by the way, of, I mean, you, you have to continually learn to draw closer to the Lord and trust in Him and seek Him. But I was, I was with, uh, who's now my wife, now Fadia. Uh, we travel around full-time together, and we were, we were traveling through uh, from Florida to New Mexico, and we, we chose to go camping in the state of Mississippi. So we're backwoods Mississippi. I mean, backwoods. And while we're there, uh, we went for this long walk. It didn't, we didn't intend for it to be this long, but it was like an 11-mile walk through backwoods Mississippi. And as we were walking through Mississippi, uh, we got to this point, and I was carrying a walking stick. And these dogs were, were kind of were, were in the line. We could tell we were going to walk into these dogs, and they, they were already barking. They seemed angry. And, you know, I'm not real good with, like, angry dogs. And I'm not real, I'm not real comfortable. And my wife's like, well, you know, Fadi says, well, let's just keep going. And I'm thinking, I don't want to. I don't want to go. But, you know, guess what? I'm a man. And so what do you do when a woman acts like you should do something that you shouldn't be afraid of? You go. And so I went, but I was annoyed. I actually didn't want to go. So as the dogs started coming at us, I got a stick. And remember, when troubles come, by nature, my, who I was was to trust in self. I don't look to God. And so, so I get the stick, and I'm yelling at the dog, get back, and whatever, right? Being the man with the stick. And what ended up happening was we kept going. Finally, the dogs backed away. And... On the way back, we had to go back by the dogs, and I'm annoyed. I'm like, man, we got to go back by those dogs again. I wish we wouldn't have done this. I'm kind of, you know, annoyed with Fadia. And so as we start going back, I get this deep impression, throw down the stick. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. Throw down the stick. Throw down the stick. You need to just trust in me that I can take care of you. I didn't want to throw down the stick. Because I trusted in myself, that I, I could take care of myself. But as we're getting closer and closer, I'm, I, this turmoil within me is you just need to trust in me. And finally, with this turmoil, and I, I can't even, it, it's not even logical, but it was just this conviction in my heart, throwing on the stick. I finally, I, I finally decided, all right, if the dogs attack me, they attack me, but I'm, I'm throwing down this stick. 
I mean, talk about a lack of faith. I mean, I threw it down, so there's a little faith there, but I'm just, I'm still thinking the dogs are going to like ravage me or something. And, and my wife sees it, and she has a stick too, you know, so like, and she looks at me and she's thinking, and it was, hers was a really nice walking stick she had found. And she's like, she realized there was this battle going on in me, so she threw her stick too. And later she regretted it. She was like, man, I wish I would have kept that stick. It was such a good walking stick, you know. But as we got closer to the dogs, and they're coming, and my heart is racing, but I'm not going to trust them myself. If they, if they tear me up, they tear me up. I mean, backwoods Mississippi. I don't, know how, I don't remember what kind of dog it was, but it, it wasn't a happy dog. And so as I'm walking up to it, all of a sudden, right before we get to it, as they're barking at us, right before this drunk man comes out of the house and he says, ah, you know, and he, he stopped the dogs from attacking us. And it was just one of those daily experiences, you know? I mean, nothing, nothing great, nothing grand, but it's, it's even in, when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, we need to learn to live by faith. Let us begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, great God who loves us with an eternal love, we need you. I pray that your spirit would rain down upon us and that you would teach us faith. Teach us to live by a righteousness that comes from faith. Fill us with your spirit. Give me clarity and your word this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, this is interesting. In the context of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, listen, here it is. Here's the... Here's the, the end of it all. Here's the most important thing. And then he says, in the context of the judgment, that you were to do two things. They were to, what? Fear God and keep His commandments. He said, in the context of, of the judgment, you need to fear God and keep His commandments. Now, what I find very interesting, as you look into the book of Revelation, in the context of the last day message of the judgment and the three angels' messages. You know, the first angel's message begins, and I saw Revelation 14, 6, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting what? Gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, what? Fear God. It's interesting. It says the first thing that comes out of the angel's mouth. Now, the message that we are to give is the everlasting gospel, but the first thing it says saying, fear God. So the message at the end of time in the context of the judgment is fear God, and then you go through the three angels' messages. You come to the last, the third of the angels' messages, and in verse 12 it says, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. They keep the commandments by faith. But it's interesting, the three angels' messages begin with fear God and they conclude with keep His commandments. The whole duty of man for humanity in the times of Solomon was fear God, keep His commandments. The whole duty of man at the end of time is similar. Fear God. So the three angels' message are, messages are book-ended with 
fear God, keep his commandments. So let's try to break this down a little bit. We're going to try to figure out what fearing God and keeping his commandments by faith are somewhat about. What they're all about, that would be going too far. But we're going to try to figure out some things to make it practical that we, by the grace of God, can live this message out. Now, fearing God, and remember it says in Revelation 14, fear God and give glory to him. And when we think of giving glory, many times you think of, you know, in, in, in some of our meetings, we, we say give glory. Well, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether therefore you eat or you drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That by your lifestyle, including what, the way that you eat, the way that you drink, there are certain things that you could drink that are not good for you. They inebriate the brain. There are certain things that you eat that may not be good for you, but there's also things that are good for you that by your lifestyle habits can give glory to God. But what's interesting, we're looking at fearing God and giving glory. Now, in the context of fearing God, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 27 says, the fear of the Lord prolongs days. The fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So there's something about the fear of God that has to do with longevity. Isn't that interesting? The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. So if you fear God, it will actually lengthen your days, the Bible says. This is interesting. So there's something about health that's connected right there in the fear of God. Now, the Bible also says, in the context of fearing God and keeping His commandments, now, by the way, fearing God, yes, it has to do with honoring, respecting, giving reverence for an almighty God, realizing and recognizing I am but dust. But Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses tells us, actually, yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, it says, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes. That means the Lord commanded us to keep his commandments. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. So those are the two things, to keep the commandments of God and fear him. Fear God, keep his commandments right there in Deuteronomy 6.24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. Why? It says, for our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. So in the context of fearing God and keeping his commandments, it helps preserve life. But it says this was given to us. God gave his commandments. He called us to fear him actually for our good, meaning there's a benefit. There is a benefit from God to us when we yield to what He desires. His desires are not just to keep us, not just to keep us from pork. When I first heard about pork, that it was unhealthy, I was not happy. You know what I did? I went and ate some pork, and I got sick. <laughs> just a coincidence, you know? And you know what I did? I went and ate some more, some more pork another time. Guess what? Got sick again. And I realized maybe God is trying to show me something. See, I'm a hard-headed person, right? You trust in yourself by nature. That was me. And I'm learning, learning. I'm not where I need to be, but I want to continue growing in the Lord. And so God has given the health message for our good. He's given us the commandments in general for our good. And what's so powerful is why would this be in the context of the last days? I mean, come on, who really cares about what you eat? I thought. And it's interesting Ellen White says one of the reasons God gave us the health message, do you know? 
She said it is to make us happy. Did you know that? You're like, no, 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 no. It it makes me unhappy. I don't, I want to eat this or that or whatever, right? And, And she's saying, no, 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 no. There's actually science in it. And right now, you may know this, you may not know. My wife and I put on a seminar about the gut-brain connection, that right now it is cutting-edge science. The fact that what you eat can affect your brain. Isn't that powerful? Right now, this is scientists are looking at this. All the things, the Bible's the first place that I know of that speaks about it. Daniel is the first scientific study, according to the Daniel chapter 1, according to the National Institutes of Health, is the first scientific study. That's what the, this, is, this is what we tell in all of recorded history, and it's a study of the gut-brain connection. What they ate affected their intellect. Modern studies are showing the same thing, that the food you eat can enhance your intellect and actually make you happier. God gave us a message for our what? For our good, right? It's for our good, for our health. Yes, yes, that also. So let's think about this for a moment. So God has given us this. Part of it is the health message because if we're happier, it's easier to trust in God more. Now, we need to trust in God even when we're down and we're depressed. Each of us have probably experienced some, you know, maybe, maybe not full-on depression, but some of us have. And, and even in that, we need to trust in God with all of our hearts. I've been there where you are so down at your worst point. And, and at that worst point in my life, I finally said to God, God, even if I had to live this way for the rest of my life, I would accept it. Because there's nowhere else to go because you have the words of life. This is what we need. We need faith. And, and we can look back on those times. I look back on those times when God brings you out of it. And by the way, it was, it was his health message that helped bring me out of it. And as I came out of it, having peace, But I look back and rejoice that God brought me through those experiences. God brought me through, and I praise His holy name for that. But we're looking at fearing God, and it's interesting because part of fearing God is to make you happy. Isn't that interesting? You think fearing God, that sounds kind of scary, but then you realize, no, 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 it's for your good. It actually helps you live longer. Very interesting. And looking a little deeper in fearing God, the Bible says in Proverbs. I love this passage. It's Proverbs chapter 2. And we have this message that says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. Now, it's going to get to fear God in a moment. But it begins in the context of fearing God or how to fear God. Fearing God is more than just a theological concept. It is a living experience that you can only, you can't fully understand until you do what Proverbs chapter 2, 1 through 5 talk about. And what it says is, my son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. So the first part is receiving God's word, spending time in God's word, but even laying it up, hiding it in your heart and in your mind, hiding it inside of you. We are told in Last Day Events, page 67, The time is coming when many will be deprived of the written word. But if this word is printed in your memory, no one can take it from you. Isn't that interesting? Meaning, it doesn't say everybody's going to be deprived in the end, but many of us will, right? And by the way, you can't run to the mountains, flee to the hills with your iPhone. It'd be a tracking device, right? That's not going to work. And so, but we're told that many, many are going to be deprived of the written word, but if that word is printed in the memory, no one can take it from us. And in the context of fearing God, we're told, if you receive my word and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine 
ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. So you're seeking the word and you're, you're trying to hear what it means. You're, saying, you're seeking with your heart to discover what it is saying for your personal life. And then it says, if you criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding. So you're saying, God, help me. I don't get it. Listen, when I became an Adventist, I didn't know what Adventists did. I went to the mission college. You know what happened? I had a roommate who had been there for a while, and uh, I didn't know what Adventists did, so I figured I'll just kind of do what they do. And so uh, at 5 in the morning, the guy next to me, I mean, I had my own bed. He had a, you know, not, he wasn't like in the bed with me, but the guy in the, you know, the bed over there. Uh, at 5 in the morning, he turned the light on, and he rolled out of bed. He didn't even stand up or anything. He just rolled out of bed and started praying. And so I, I realized, oh, that's what Seventh-day Adventists do. So I just rolled out of bed and started praying too, just like he did, you know. And then when he was done praying, he started reading his Bible. So you, you know what I did? I did what Seventh-day Adventists do. I started reading my Bible. And so he read his Bible for three hours. So what did I do? I read my Bible for three hours because that's what Seventh-day Adventists do. And so I did that every day. And so day after day after day, I was doing this. And what a blessing it was. I mean, I'm glad I ran into that Seventh-day Adventist, right? <laughs> Because I didn't know. I mean, it could have been, you know, somebody else. Later on, I moved to California, and I found out that not everybody does that. (laughs) But I got way off subject. I don't even know why I talked about that. I guess it's good to read the Word of God, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we're talking about, reading the Word of God. Yeah, we're talking about Proverbs, right? Seeking the Word of God with your whole heart. And you're seeking to know what it means. Oh, why I was going to say it was this, was because I remember... Pastor Louis Torres came up to me, uh, and I had just read my Bible for three hours, and he said, hey, what'd you read this morning? And you know what? Nothing came to mind. After three hours. And you may think, I I read my Bible, I get nothing out of it. Uh Uh-uh. I thought I got nothing out of it. But God was doing a work in my heart. You spend that time, even if you feel nothing, it is not about some feeling. Now, praise the Lord if the Lord gives a feeling. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. That's a blessing. And I have that from time to time. But it's not like every day it's like this m- moment of ecstasy while I'm reading God's Word. But it's not an option for a Seventh-day Adventist to read the Word of God. It said, if we criest after knowledge, lift us up our voice for understanding. And then verse 4 says, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hid treasures. God is calling us to seek after His Word as for a hid treasure. And all of us know probably what it's like to seek for hid treasures. For some of you, it's on Amazon.com. Hour after hour reading, how, you know, how many stars does this particular thing have, right? You, you, this, this curling iron, what is the best curling iron, right? And you seek for, for this as for hid treasure, Right? For someone like, oh, that's not me. I'm not into that, you know. But maybe for you, it's Facebook. You're just scrolling, 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 looking for hid treasure, something grand. But it's just more of the same. Somebody had a hamburger, right? (laughs) But we seek and we seek and we seek. But God says, listen, I want you to seek my word like you seek for the things of the world. This is what God wants out of us. And not just to like get you to sit and read a book, but there's something about it that's for your good. There's a blessing in it that God wants to bestow upon you, your family, your friends, your coworkers, your schoolmates. God has a plan for you. But we have to be in the Word of God. We have to be there. So how does this connect to fear God? 
Verse 5 says this, after telling us about hiding God's Word in our minds and our heart, memorizing the Word of God, seeking it, praying for guidance, seeking with our whole heart, looking for it as gold or silver, it finally says in verse 5, then, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Isn't that powerful? So meaning, it's not just a theological idea. It is an experience you only experience when you seek God's Word as for your life. You have to experience it. I want to challenge you. I wasn't interested in reading the Bible, but once I started doing it, it has changed my life. Sure, for actually, I'll tell you, it seemed like for years I got very little out of it. But over time, it began to come together. It began to make more sense. It began to come to life for me. Friends, we got to read the Word of God for the blessing that is contained therein. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride, arrogancy, and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. We're going to make a transition here in this message. We've talked about how, how there's a, a health component to the last days that God's people are going to seek to, to live a healthier lifestyle so that they can give more glory to God. They'll be happier. They'll have clearer minds, which is the most important part and point, point of the health message. There is a longevity aspect. Ellen White talks about that, and so does the Bible. But what's interesting is that the Bible also says, you know, that there's this fear of God that we discover when we study God's Word. And then we read that the fear of God is to hate evil, or the fear of God is to hate unrighteousness, as it were. This brings us back from fearing God to keeping His commandments. How does that connect? How do these things connect? This is a good question. Looking at righteousness by faith, what is righteousness by faith? Many times we use terminology in church and we have no idea what it means. How many of you can attest to that? You hear stuff in church and, and you think like, oh, I know what that is. And if somebody asks you, well, tell me, explain it to me so that I can live it out, would you really be able to do it, right? But I want you to think about righteousness by faith. Let's look at it because fear God keeping his commandments by faith. Remember, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So they keep the commandments by faith. What is righteousness? Now, in order to understand what righteousness is, maybe it will help us if we understand what unrighteousness is. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17 says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin that is not unto death. So all unrighteousness is what? It's sin. Now, what is sin? You may know 1 John chapter 3, verse 4 says what? It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. To say it simple, sin is breaking the law. Now, if righteousness, unrighteousness, if unrighteousness is sin and sin is breaking the law, that means unrighteousness is what? Breaking the law. Do you see the connection there? Did I make that confusing? If unrighteousness is sin and sin is breaking the law, then breaking the law is unrighteousness. So unrighteousness is breaking God's law. Now, righteousness would be then the opposite of unrighteousness. Yes or no? Yeah, I mean, unrighteousness is the lack of righteousness. And if unrighteousness is breaking the law, what would you deduce would be righteousness? 
keeping the law, right? I mean, it seems pretty simple. So many people have sought out, then, then I just need to keep the law, and then I could be righteous, right? How many of you have tried that? I have. And then you've stumbled terribly. Because if righteousness is in the law, Isaiah 51, verse 7, Hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. So people who have the law in the heart, that's the new covenant, by the way, they, they have righteousness. So, but I'm going to share with you a, a group of people who sought with all their heart to be righteous and thoroughly failed. Turn with me to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. These are a group of people who knew that righteousness, the law was righteous, holy, just, and good, as Romans tells us. And so these people sought to keep the law, but they failed miserably. Why? Romans chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 31. And obviously, we're, we're beginning right here talking about Israel, the people of Israel. We're looking in Romans chapter 9 and verse 31. The Word of God reads, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the what? Law. So here are the Israelites. They knew the law was righteous, and they sought to keep the law, but they failed. They knew that the law was good, holy, just, righteous, and so they looked to the law and tried to keep it, and they didn't do it. And it says, wherefore? Why? Because they didn't seek it by what? By faith. What does this mean? Hopefully we can grasp this in just a moment. So what, in, what ends up happening? It says, verse 32, wherefore, because they because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. So what does it say? They're, get the idea. So the Israelites here are on a path. They're on a pathway, and their goal is to keep the law. So they're looking at the law for righteousness. It says they actually seek to keep the law, and as they're seeking to keep the law, it said they stumbled, right? There was something in the pathway, and it says that they, 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 they stumbled over it, right? Did you see that? Now, it says they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion, a stumbling stone, and a rock of offense. Who would that rock of offense be? Who was the rock of ages cleft for me? It was Jesus. So get the picture. They're, they're on their path to try to be righteous, so they know the law is righteous, so they're keeping their eyes on the law, but as they're seeking to keep the law, something's in their way, and it's a rock, and that rock was Christ. And as they go, their eyes, if their eyes are on the law, they might miss the, not see the rock, and they stumble over it, and they fall down, and they're unsuccessful at attaining righteousness. You see that? Because their eye was focused in the wrong place. The law, Romans chapter 8 verse 4 tells us, was weak through the flesh. The law cannot save you. Yes or no? It can't. And so they were looking to the law, as it were, for salvation. But if they would have turned their eyes, their focus of their eyes from the law to the rock, to Jesus Christ, would they have tripped over him? No, they might have kneeled down before that rock. They would have then received a righteousness from him. Now, let's go back. Notice this. Jump back in the same chapter to verse 30. It says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after the law of righteousness, 
have attained to the law of righteousness, even the righteousness which is of what? Faith. Do you see that? So they received the righteousness by faith, meaning they received a righteousness greater than their own. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul said, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. See, if you try to keep your own righteousness, you try to keep the law, you try to do the right thing, you try to be better, you try to be good on your own, focusing, and notice, I keep saying you, 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 or me, 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 trusting self. As you seek to trust yourself, do you think that's going to help you be more like Christ? No, it doesn't even make sense. But we do it not thinking it through. And so the Israelites, if they would have looked to something else, these, these ones, not the, the Gentiles now rather, the Gentiles sought their righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul said, be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. Paul says, we need a righteousness from God because my righteousness will never be good enough by myself. Do you believe that? Now, I heard Eugene Pruitt use this illustration. He said, if you went into a store yesterday and stole a candy bar, and then today you don't steal a candy bar, does that make up for you stealing a candy bar yesterday? No. Meaning, what if you stopped sinning today and never sinned again till Jesus came? Would you deserve to go to heaven, yes or no? Why? Because all of the sins of the past you cannot atone for. Do you follow? You need a righteousness beyond what you could ever self-create. You need a perfect righteousness so that when you go to heaven, your record is perfect. But the problem is your record isn't perfect, right? You need the righteousness of God. You need Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. And upon the cross, how many of your sins did he take? Every single sin you've ever done. If he, if he, if he, kept, if he received all of the sins you've ever done, the Bible tells us that he gives his perfect righteousness in exchange for your filthy rags. Isn't that good news? You see why righteousness by faith is so beautiful? But it actually goes further than just covering you. It fills you with righteousness so that you can have the strength to walk in the law of God. But I'm going to share with you that in a minute. So let's look at this. So this is the idea. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. I love this. This is so powerful. The, the person that is given over and over in Scripture for this great man of faith is a man by the name of Abraham. And I think sometimes maybe you're like I was and you're like, why Abraham? I mean, it's just kind of a weird story. You know, in Genesis 15, verse 5, it says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if you be able to number them. And he said, So shall your seed be. And then it says, And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's just kind of weird. Like, huh? You know, a guy can't have a baby. He's old. His wife's old. It's impossible for them to have a baby. And God says, You're going to have a baby. And Abraham's like, Okay, all right, I believe it. And God's like, Okay, you're righteous. How does that work together? Doesn't that sound kind of strange? And why is this like the great proof of, of what it's like to have righteousness by faith? Now, I want you to look at it when we read it in Romans chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 19. This is powerful. Speaking of Abram. And being not weak in what? Faith. See, Abraham could have been weak in faith and thought, man, I'm an old man. This is impossible. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own 
body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Do you follow? So here, here's, here's Abraham. His body's as good as dead, meaning the guy's up towards 100 years old at this point. His wife is up towards 90. And guess what? Adventists are the longest living people in the world today. Not because of any glory to us. It's just because we went back to what the Bible said, right? You go back to the Bible, it's interesting. Creationists are the longest living people in the world today. Yes or no? Evolution has not enhanced the, the length of life like creation has. Amen? It's powerful, huh? And so, but even though Adventists are living as, as the longest living group of people on the planet, have you ever heard of any 90-year-old Adventists getting pregnant recently? No, right? And so you wouldn't expect that. So Abraham could have said, when God said this, this is impossible. He could have considered his own body, which was as good as dead, or the deadness of Sarah's womb and said, this is impossible. But he didn't. He said, if God said it, he must have something miraculous in store. Do you follow? And within the church and within society and within other Christian groups, there's this real trouble of believing that God can give victory. Yes or no? Have you ever heard that? Why would you keep the Sabbath? We sin all the time. We can't stop sinning. All we do is sin. We are just sinners. But the Bible says that you can actually find victory. Where? I mean, Re Revelation 14, verse 12 even prophesies it. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. They have keep the commandments by faith. They have righteousness by faith. Well, God said that's going to happen. And I could say, listen, man, I've tried I really sought to do the right thing, and I, I haven't really succeeded many times, and, and I want to do the right thing, and, and I, I want to keep the law. I want to do what it says. I want to do what it says, and I stumble, right? I trip. You follow? And so then I could say, I could consider my own body now dead, and I could say, God, you can't fulfill what you said. I could do that. Do you see? I could not give glory to God. It says that Abram gave glory to God by faith. He said, if God said it, he must have something miraculous in store. He didn't consider his body. You may have tried a thousand times to overcome. And so you, you maybe even come to the theological conclusion it's impossible. And you know what? You're right. It is impossible for you to overcome sin by yourself. But is, is it impossible for God to bring light out of darkness? Is it possible for God, who says he's going to make a group of people overcome, is it possible for him to do what he says, yes or no? Yes. Do you see how this is an important issue in the area of righteousness by faith? It is not an issue of can I do it? No, I can't. The question is, can Christ in me do it? Yes, he can. And so Abraham did not consider his own body. Now dead. Now check this out. Read it again, verse 19. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Check this out. Verse 20. He staggered. So check this out. He's on his path, and he doesn't stagger, right? He doesn't trip in his path like the ancient Israelites did. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in what? Faith giving Glory to God. You see, giving, giving glory to God is not only eating right and drinking right, but it is living by righteousness by faith. Do you see what it said? It said, I, I want to read it again just so you don't miss that. That's a key point. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. 
Do you see how your righteousness by faith, when you trust that, hey, if God said it, I really believe it, even though I've struggled with this a thousand times, maybe you've struggled with pornography a thousand times and you've wanted to quit. You've struggled with anger. You've struggled with whatever it is that you struggle with, with lust or, or maybe your clothing and you like to show off your body quite a bit, you know, whatever it is. And God says, listen, I can give you the victory. Even if you've done it a thousand times, do not consider your body. Don't consider whether you have the strength. Consider God. Keep your eyes not on the law, not on something else, but keep your eyes on Christ. And if our eyes are upon him, trusting that he can do what he said, then he gives us righteousness by faith, not only to cover us, but to strengthen us to overcome. And it says, verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. He trusted God could do it. And therefore, it was imputed. It was put into him for righteousness. Not only was he covered, but now he actually had to act out this having a child. So he had to go do something with his wife. God told him it was impossible. His body was as good as dead, but God made it as good as good, right? As good as alive. Our bodies... We are dead in trespasses and sins. We can't overcome. But God can bring life to that which is dead. He calls that which is not as though it were, as we read earlier in this very same chapter. He can call life into you if you but trust in God to guide you and place your confidence in Him. You'll find Him always there beside you. We're promised this. God has given us His Word. You know, could Jesus really give a group of people the victory? I would say it more like this. It just happens if we continually seek God with all our heart. It's not an issue of like, I'm just going to do better in 2017, right? Pick up my bootstraps and I'm going to move along, right? Once again, you start going back to, I'll take care of myself. I'll get a little better this year. But rather, I'm going to turn away from myself this year. I want to think less about Chad in 2017 than in 2016. I want to end 2017 closer to Jesus Christ this year than in any year in the past. Wouldn't that be nice? To end this year changed to end this year living out righteousness by faith so we don't have to constantly fear are we saved. We bring out one quotation by Ellen White that says, no sanctified tongue will be found saying, I am saved. And we miss out all the other texts where she says, you don't have to question whether you're saved. You can know if you're right with God today, you would be ready if Jesus came today. Amen. There's a balance, meaning I, I won't go around saying, I'm saved, I'm good to go, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good man, I'm, I'm a righteous man, right? Nothing will happen. I can never be lost. No. There's this humility, a reverence, a fear of God that he is God, but he loves me with all his heart. That I'm but dust and ashes, but he can save my soul. And I want to yield everything in my life to Jesus Christ right here, right now. And I can trust that he can forgive my sins today. And if my sins are given and I'm not, I'm not holding on to them today, I can know that I'd be ready if Jesus Christ came today. Amen. Is that good news? You know what the gospel means? Good news. It's for our good. 
God has brought these things together. One thing that proves to me the divinity of, of the Word of God is the connections all throughout Scripture. They're all there. How could all these men, 35 to 40 men over 1,500 years, come up with stuff like this? The prophecies that have come true to our day, God has established His Word, and He wants to establish it in your heart if you'll receive it, if you'll spend time in it. I do believe Jesus is coming. And Jesus wants more than anything for you to be ready. But He actually even wants more than that. He wants you to be ready so that He can help you get the people around you ready. So that you can go home and you can be a witness outside of GYC. That you can take the experience that you've obtained at this conference and you could spread it around the world. When you travel internationally, when you're at work, it doesn't matter what you do, but you are an undercover missionary giving glory to God because you believe by faith that Jesus is going to work in you. You're trusting in Him. Friends, Jesus wants to give us the victory. We've talked about three main things today. It's kind of a, just a bunch of information here. But I want you to, three main things we looked at. Number one, something, there's something within fearing God about a health message. There's something within fearing God about, about health, and this actually helps us draw closer to Jesus. Oh, yeah. It's not to be saved, but because we have been saved, we try what He says. And when we try it, the science shows, oh, you're happier. You're better able to overcome lifestyle diseases. Your mind becomes clearer. And it helps you better overcome temptation through the gut-brain connection. So one thing we looked at is there's a health component. Number two, we looked at that there's a component of fearing God by seeking His Word with your whole heart. And we give glory to Him by righteousness, by faith. We keep His commandments through righteousness, by faith. That is the third thing we looked at. And so I want to make a challenge to you to begin this year, 2017. God is calling us to a higher level of spirituality. Eating food is not, it doesn't save you in and of itself, right? There's been plenty of people who've eaten bad, but they'll still be saved. But it makes it easier to overcome, and we need all the help we can get in these days, wouldn't you say? It's so hard to overcome. I'll tell you this. We know through the gut-brain connection, you can see, you know, we're told, you know, spicy food makes you more lustful, and there's no question it does. So the issue isn't like, oh, just get rid of the way from that, and then you get to go to heaven. No, but it'll make it so much easier not to look at pornography. Getting back to God's plant-based diet. You'll see your mind starts getting clearer when you get back to God's diet. You don't get to go to heaven. God's like, oh, good job. You're a vegan for four years. Way to go, right? No, but God is saying, listen, didn't it make it easier? Wasn't it easier to trust in God by faith? So the first challenge I want to make to you today, how many of you would like to say, and maybe you don't even want to that much, but you're like, hey, man, I got diabetes. Maybe I could learn to overcome it. Or maybe I just want to overcome, but, but God is saying, listen, in 2017, let's, let's choose to literally be health reformers. As a church, we can encourage each other. And I'm not telling you everybody needs to turn a vegan tomorrow. If you're a meat eater, begin to eat more plant food. Slowly make a transition. But in 2017, would you like to say, whether it's exercise, whether it's sunlight, whether it's the eight laws of health, you say, I want to try this year to begin the year on the right foot, living out God's health law and giving glory to Him through my health. If that's your desire, I ask that you just stand where you are. This is the first appeal, simple appeal. You want to, in 2017, seek to live a healthy lifestyle to give glory to God through that. Number two, maybe you say, I want to recommit my life to God here to begin 2017. I want to recommit my life. 
I want to I walk with him this year in righteousness by faith. I want to learn to trust him even when I struggle with doubt. I want to just trust him even in the darkest time. I want to have righteousness by faith. Is there anyone who by the raising their hand say, you know, I want that righteousness by faith. I want it here today. I want to know that I'm in a saving relationship and I want to give my sin to Jesus. Amen? We want to know that. We want peace in our hearts to know that we are walking with you. And we can have that. Spirit of prophecy, I mean, you don't even need the spirit of prophecy to tell you that. The Bible just says it. 1 John chapter 5.13 tells us that he wrote the book of 1 John so that you could know that you have eternal life. You can know it. The Bible says it. And the spirit of prophecy says it. And number three, how many of you want to commit that in 2017? You want to fear God, and you can't, you're like, ah, I don't even know if I want to do that. But he says, listen, the only way you can even experience it is by spending time in the Word of God, hiding it in your mind and in your heart, seeking God, asking, God, please help me to understand what it means. Please, Lord, give me the victory. Help me to be changed by your Word. Even if I feel like I get nothing out of it, Lord, be with me. How many of you want to say, I want to covenant this year to spend every single day, sometime every day with Jesus Christ? Let us close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we need you. We cannot do this. We're not looking to us to be better ourselves this year. We're looking for righteousness by faith. Give us the strength because we don't have it to spend time every single day with you. Help us live out your health message, not to be a bunch of legalistic hypocrites, but rather to find victory, the strength that you give us. In the name of Jesus. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.